0: Good morning, good morning, happy Sunday. Well, you all know what time it is. It is time to get started with Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with Dr. Carol Penn and her superstar guests. So we are going to enjoy some theme music right now as people wake up and join us. Weightless no matter
1: what people say you're full of greatness greatness the time you opened up your eyes you were courageous greatness. if only they could see you going through
0: your paces it's amazing weightless no matter what people say you're full
1: you open up your eyes, you were courageous. If
0: only they can see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Good morning and welcome to Weightless and Mind, Body, and Spirit with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn. I am so excited to bring you today's show. I can't tell you how excited, because the subject matter expert that you are about to meet is a dear friend, a sister, a companion on the journey, on the unfolding of my life in ways that would need a whole separate show to go into. Now, we are in our eighth season, and today's episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Penn Global Visions and Penn Global Medical Group. Our topic today is forgiveness, healing, and the soul of the community. And our special guest is Dr. Sabrina Njai. You're going to meet her momentarily, but I wanted to give everybody an opportunity. You know what we do here. We have you announce yourself in the chat, say where you're coming from, say good morning and hello. So I'm going to see who has gotten up with us this morning. Who has gotten up with us this morning? All right. Good morning and welcome, Victoria. Wishing everyone a week filled with endless possibilities. Hashtag meditation nation. Good morning and welcome, Shirley. Thank you so much. Yes, Red Bank is in the house, my hometown. Good morning, Dr. Julie. Yes, yes, yes. So glad that you were able to rise and shine and join us this morning as we explore and discuss this really important topic. And now what do we do Oh, my goodness. Here we come. Here we come. Good morning, Christine. Highlands, New Jersey. Hashtag Meditation Nation. Go ahead. Drop that in the chat. That hashtag Meditation Nation. It helps people to find us. Good morning, James. Yes. So glad that you are here. Good morning, Dr. Dietrich. Good morning, Dr. Kathy. Well, the community is rising and shining. And what do we do here in Weightless and Mind, Body, and Spirit? Well, we have an opportunity to explore the worlds of weight loss, weight loss maintenance, aging in reverse, heart health, optimizing health, and well-being in mind, body, and spirit. And that's just what we're going to do this morning. We're going to explore it in mind, body, and spirit. So up, 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 Yes. And let's see a few more. Hashtag meditation nations. Good morning and welcome DM. DM, as you all know, DM's my husband and I just, I love it. It, it. it means so much to have a lifetime partner who is also a supportive partner, just so integrally involved with all that we do here in weightless and mind, body and spirit yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. So we are going to get started. And, you know, the one thing that I really love to do is I I love to bring my guests on camera as I share their bios, because so often we don't hear about ourselves in the context, perhaps, of our working life or our accolades. You know, sometimes it feels it goes unknowledge. So I just like people just gaze upon and pick up and feel the energetic imprint of this incredible woman. I call her Sister Doc. So let's see the beautiful, the amazing, the impressive Dr. Sabrina. There she is, there she is. So listen to this. All right. Dr. Sabrina Njai began her career as a social worker in the New York City foster care system. Thank you for your service. Where she served as a therapist in residential treatment educational facilities. Over the years, she has served underserved populations in public schools, community mental health, and addictions programs. She is currently an integrative psychotherapist and founder of the Heart Nest Center for Peace and Healing in Baltimore, Maryland. There, she lovingly serves women, couples, other healers, and small groups. Her approach to healing is a blend of wisdom, science, and ancient spiritual practices. She is a proud senior faculty member of the Center for Mind Body Medicine, where she teaches the art of self-care to healthcare professionals around the globe. As center faculty, she has responded to community-wide trauma, mass shootings, and natural disasters, she has served the center as a teacher and guide for Muslim community leaders in East Africa, the Middle East, and Central Asia. In 2012, she became a student of Sidi Muhammad al-Jamal, a healer and peace builder from Jerusalem. Sabrina has committed her life to continuing the sacred Sufi teachings of peace, love, justice, mercy, and freedom. She is currently completing her first book, The Laugh of Love, based on her maternal grandmother's ability to transcend multiple traumas and chronic illness. I love it because her grandmother's name was Marion. And so is my grandmother's name. And so it's like this energetic imprint that we have being bound together. Dr. Sabrina is a devoted wife, mother, daughter, and lifelong learner who remains humbled by the healing power of compassion, love, and forgiveness. Oh, my goodness. Welcome, 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 Dr. Sabrina. Dr. Sabrina. I'll anchor and center this. It is in our work through and with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine mm-hmm. that this sisterhood, this, this in loveness has been knitted together. I'm, I'm proud to join her as senior faculty with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. And I can honestly say there is not a breath that I take or a day that I live that this work, this unfolding is mm-hmm. not here. Mm. Anchored in our hearts. Welcome, Doctor Sabrina. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Sister Doctor Carol. It's a pleasure to be
1: here. Hi, everybody.
0: Yes, 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 yes. I am so excited that that you are here, and I have so many questions, so many questions. <laughs> hey, hey. Good morning, and welcome, 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 welcome. Where it's Greg. I want to say hello too. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Lovely, lovely, lovely. lovely. And people that are saying, welcome to you. And oh my goodness, you cannot turn on the television without, you know, this topic of, you know, mental health, the globe is in a mental health crisis. There are so many things that have gone on, a a pandemic, the the racisms, the hatisms, the Mm -hmm. what? So, you know, we're coming into this season Mm -hmm. where, Forgiveness is, it's always been fundament, fundamental, but how do we really understand it individually? And how do we really understand it as a community? So, on today's show, I really want to anchor it in the following way What does it mean to forgive in mind, body, and spirit?
1: Mm.
0: What happens emotionally and psychologically? What happens physically? What are some of the mechanisms of action that make forgiveness good medicine? How does it change the brain and the body? Mm-hmm. What hormones are released? What neurotransmitters? So all of it, I'm ready for you to drop your pearls. The gathered community is ready. So y'all are gonna need to take some notes on this. So <laughs> Dr. Sabrina, come on in, jump on in. Let's listen.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Carol. So, um which question do you want me to start with? You just threw out a lot, and they're all, all important. They
0: are. They so, they. So, really, what does it mean to forgive in mind, body, and spirit?
1: Okay.
0: And let's say this: How are you defining forgiveness?
1: Okay. So, um, you know, I'm a therapist. And I'm also a peace builder and I love, ta- I love telling stories and I love listening to stories. And the biggest part of forgiveness is honoring someone's story and honoring that each one of us also has a story. And so when people come to me for guidance, the first thing I say is, we're gonna walk this path of forgiveness together. And in this moment, we are defining forgiveness as letting go of the possibility of a different past we start right there the past has happened and so we're not going to stare at it we're going to glance at it we're going to honor that we can't change it and forgiveness is about starting right here right now and expanding the way we view situations and expanding the way we view possibilities so i see forgiveness as a spiritual practice that has nothing to do with religion and everything to do with religion, if that makes sense. (laughs) So it doesn't matter what you call yourself. If you don't have a regular practice of forgiveness, then whatever your religion is, whatever your spiritual path is, it's incomplete. So forgiveness completes or completely enhances our journey to be closer to knowing who we are, closer to knowing what we're supposed to be doing on this planet um, and closer to being in relationship with ourselves and other people. It's a portal to love. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, it is a portal to love.
0: Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, wow. You know, we could actually, we could do a whole weekend on this let alone. Oh yes, you. and I do. <laughs> let alone, you know, the next 50 minutes. And yes, you do. And hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about your your workshops and mm-hmm. the things that are coming up, your book, all of these things. And we hear how hard forgiveness is. We've heard it uh, collectively and individually in the work that we do around forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And we've heard things, you know, well, this is impossible to forgive. And we've literally heard it all across this country and all around the world. So, you know, and this is the work you do. However, you know, Dr. Sabrina, have you ever struggled with forgiveness yourself?
1: <laughs> well, you know, those of us that do healing work, we have to walk the path before we can leave other people on the path. So I usually tell my clients, I'm about, I'm about 50 yards ahead of you on this path. So I'm not too far that I have forgotten where you are, but I'm far enough that I can guide you in this moment. Mm-hmm. So, so the answer is yes. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> I had to forgive. I have to forgive every day. And I have a Facebook group called Live Forgiveness Daily. So mm-hmm. for me personally, I have. I have implemented forgiveness into, into a part of my daily spiritual practices. So each day, uh, I, I want to back, back up for a second and just honor the first thing you said about how hard it is to forgive. And there are days, especially when someone that you love hurts your heart or betrays you or abandons you. One of those three heartaches. Happens to every last one of us, abandonment, betrayal or rejection.
0: Oh yes. Somebody capture
1: that abandonment, betrayal or rejection. We're going to have, if we live to be past the age of seven, one of those three things is going to happen to us. And if we live to be our age, sister Carol, all three, (laughs) all three, (laughs) there's, there's no way around it. It is guaranteed. We're going to have one of these three heartaches. And so I begin with the, with the knowledge and affirmation for every human being that this is gonna happen to us. And our behavior looks different based on those three heartaches. So when people come to me and they start talking about how hard it is to forgive, the first thing I want them to do is really feel their heart, feel where is it hard, to feel their liver, where is it hard, to feel the, their lower back, where is it hard? And to honor. And I, I after people tell me that, I ask them the question: what would happen to your heart, your liver, your kidneys if you held on to the resentment? So it's about choosing. And we all make choices. I ask people, who would you be without your resentment? As opposed to demanding that they forgive right away? do you see the difference in that question? Like, who would you be without this resentment? And very often people say something like, I'd be free, or I'd be in a new relationship, or I would have another job, or I'd move to another place, or I would feel better, or even I would drink more water, <laughs> I would sleep better. So ha, if you let go of this resentment, you already know in your body that you would experience an improvement in your health and well-being. Yes, that is why you're forgiving. And it has nothing to do with this creature, this person, this president who harmed you. It has to do with your capacity to address your own health needs. And when I frame it like that, it makes sense to people. And so if I could loop back to your question about myself, I had to frame it that like, I had to frame it like that for myself as well. So that every day I could say, I wonder what my life would be like. And I'm looking at my journal, cause that's where I do it. I wonder what my life would be like if I forgave whoever that person is in that moment. Mm. and then I write.
0: Mm, Beautiful. We have Rebecca sharing. I find that forgiveness, he's also one of our nation's wonderful mental health professionals. Mm. Morning, Rebecca. I find that forgiveness is like a spiral process, something that is revisited time and time again, but each time from a different place mentally and emotionally.
1: Absolutely. Forgiveness is is like a glass of water. You, You will live your whole life taking a sip. Yeah. It it. There's no way we're going to live on this planet without water. We need yeah.
0: it. So true. So true. I often think of it. as like peeling the layers of an onion. Mm-hmm. And Each time you go back to it, you take another little layer off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it is. And let's talk about some of the mechanism of action, because we, you know, we ask people to. For forgive, and sometimes people are thinking of the biggest, most horrific thing, and they go, like, "I can't forgive that." I'm not. Mm-hmm. How, how how do you how do you how do you get it so that you can build up that muscle of forgiveness? If mm-hmm. you
1: well, the best example I have is one that happened at one of our trainings with Jim Gordon. <laughs> this is my favorite example because we had um. <clears throat> We had some some vets in, in the group and one of the vets stood up and said I can't I can't I saw too much murder I saw too this I saw that I will never forgive the the opposing army and I don't want to get into the war so I will never forgive that opposing army and and Jim looked at the guy and he said well why don't you start with your brother-in-law? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy sat back down. He's like, "Oh, oh, I can do that." And so I tell people, don't start with the the greatest biggest offense that ever happened to you. Don't start with the man that raped you. Don't start with the with the teacher that told you you weren't good enough. Don't start there. Make think of this as a muscle that has been sort of atrophied for many, many years. And start small, start slowly. You might start with just a few months of setting an intention. Ooh, I'm, I'm thinking about forgiving this, this person. And it's not happening today, but just right now, I'm just thinking about it. And that might be all people do for a while, is just think about it. And then we have tools and one of the biggest tools that I use is, is the forgiveness meditation that we teach at the center. And I invite people to, to do that meditation on a daily basis. Choosing a person, choosing an event, bringing it to their consciousness and offering forgiveness. When people struggle with that, <clears throat> I deepen that meditation by having them close their eyes and expand their lens. So forgiveness might feel like this. And I expand. I invite them to expand the lens through mercy. And mercy is about looking at, a, looking at someone through a wider lens than just the action that they did that day. Mercy says, oh, when I look at this person this way, I can see their life started out like this. Ooh, that was horrible. And then this happened and that happened and that happened and that happened. Oh, ah, that's what led to them behaving in that manner towards me. Now, this doesn't mean that that manner, that that behavior, that that action was in any way acceptable. It was wrong. And we can acknowledge together how wrong it is. And we can look through the lens of mercy to understand
0: That's beautiful, beautiful. And so to kind of begin to maybe, you know, narrow it down for um, our wonderful audience this morning. And I see, you know, Victoria here. My mom taught me early about forgiveness. She told me, rule number one, learn to forgive yourself. Think hard and deep, forgive yourself, allow yourself grace and be repentant and learn only then would you be able to transfer that forgiveness to someone else so i love that you know so that's an early early lesson in how to forgive you know taught to victoria by her mom so that actually leads me to not the next question that i was going to ask but a, a question that i'm going to frame based on that at what age do children begin to learn about forgiveness and understand forgiveness? Because I know there's a huge research gap in that scientifically, but we've all seen it empirically with kids.
1: Well, the majority of us start teaching our children about forgiveness as soon as they're verbal. A a two-year-old hits their brother or their sister and mom comes in and says, say you're sorry. And very often the sorry may not be sincere, (laughs) <laughs> but it is, it is a it is the like the, the early phases, the, the walking phase of understanding that when you harm someone, you have to make an amends. And children learn that at a very young age. But Victoria's statement taps into what is missing in what our parents teach us. And her mom did it. Many of our mothers did not. Our our parents teach us from the age of two, three, all the way up, the majority of our lives, the majority of of us have parents who have said, say you're sorry. Very few of our parents tell us to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, say you're sorry. And that I think is the gap in the research, looking at which one of us really learned to have compassion for ourselves which one of us really learned to release ourselves of our shame and our parents' shame. And that, that I don't think has been explored enough. And I think when we, if we can shift to that, really understanding that we were designed to make mistakes. I don't know if anyone says that, that we were designed to make mistakes. And that is a huge part of my spiritual teaching is that we were designed to make mistakes, and if we didn't, uh, we God would have created a different species that did. <laughs> so, so that's how that's how important it is. So I don't think I don't think children are really taught that. Instead, we are um, a certain degree of shame has been imposed on us that is not necessarily ours. So. I would invite I would invite parents, and I've made these same errors myself in parenting. So we all make mistakes in parenting as well. So we have to forgive our children and invite them to forgive themselves and um, invite parents to forgive themselves as well. And if we can walk with that with that understanding that we are a family of merciful people that can make a huge shift in how children experience their own shame. And then it can make a huge shift in how they experience being out in the world. So I don't know the exact answer around what age it's integrated, but just based on my experience working with children, um, around the age of, of seven or eight, kids pretty much know if, if, that, if that apology is sincere or not, right, and you've seen them say it. She didn't mean that. <laughs> and you've also seen them say, she means it. And I have experienced children have the capacity to say, okay, I forgive you, let's go play. But I think what happens over time is as we grow up, we experience so many of those heartaches that they start to pile up in that, in that limbic system. Right. And then that heart and which makes it more and more challenging to let it go. Yeah,
0: beautiful, beautiful. And and just you would so much going on in the world that has directed impacting, you know, oftentimes as parents, we can kind of shield a little bit. But our kids, you know, the experience of the pandemic went right into the middle of their experience of life. You know, it's like we couldn't say, well, you know, that's happening over there. It was, it's, you know, it's happening in real time when they couldn't go to school, when they couldn't see their friends. And we're seeing the aftermath and fallout of that. Additionally, with adults, that are struggling right now through job loss. And now the rebound of that as prices have skyrocketed. So not only do you no longer have a job, but now with the whatever financial resources you have, they're just being strained to the max because we have skyrocketing food prices, skyrocketing gas Uh, prices. You know, so even getting from point A to point B becomes a a big financial decision. You know, am I going to fill up my car or am I going to fill up my grocery basket? So in what ways then overall, as we continue to do this in our work and explore this individually and collectively, in what ways is forgiveness actually good for
1: someone? It's good in in every way. It's good in acknowledging. So, you know, I come back to that, that concept of looking through the lens of mercy. It's about really noticing. It's really about living that serenity prayer, honoring the things that I can't change, the things that I can change, and my capacity to know the difference. So in the present moment, we can't change the gas prices in the present moment. We can't change the fact that there's, that everything is so expensive right now. We can't even change the fact that there's a war going on. But what we can change is how we walk in that door, shut the door, take a deep breath, and create a ritual of shedding the outside world when we walk into the sacred space of our homes. We can make our homes sacred. We can make this time on this computer sacred. And those are the things that we have control over. And in doing so, we are actually impacting the rest of the world. And I think sometimes we don't believe that we can be impactful just through our computers, but it's it's obvious. If 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 pain and sorrow and nastiness can be impactful through our computers, then love, compassion, forgiveness, and mercy can also impact us through our computers. However, it does mean we have to double down on it. We, it can't be even. If they, if you see, uh, I think of it in terms of a plate, if you see two thirds harshness, you gotta put two thirds plus another third of kindness onto an experience. Rick Hansen says, negative, experience sticks, negative experiences stick to the brain like Velcro and positive falls off like teflon. So we literally have to pile it up so that it doesn't slide off. And each of us have the capacity to do that. Every single last one of us.
0: And well, now let's look at the other side though. Are there potential cost to forgiving?
1: So there's a big difference between being, between forgiving and being a doormat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the cost is I forgive you and we renew this relationship and you do it again and again and again. That would be costly for someone's health. So there are times when you say I forgive you And I release this relationship Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't cost me my health or I forgive you. And I release myself from the dance of this pattern that I have been engaged in with you for so many years. Or if we're thinking in terms of a larger community, I release you for not understanding what my experience of oppression has been. And I can choose to not be in relationship with you because you continue to not understand, or I can change the way we engage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so forgiveness doesn't mean I lie down and, and allow myself to be kicked because there's also justice. There has to be justice sometimes. And even when justice is being dispensed, we can forgive.
0: Wow. Like I said, we could do a whole weekend on this. So many. <laughs> do you think that there are any or offensive
1: or hurts that are unforgivable? Well, my, my forgiveness idol just left this earth last December, Desmond Tutu. And the forgiveness idol before him was my grandmother and my teacher. And those three people, all three of them told me that nothing is unforgivable. And I know that those three people live at a very high spiritual station that most of us won't even try to attain and very few of us will. So I, I, I believe that most things are, are forgivable and each of us has to look at our individual capacity for forgiving. Mm. And at, since it is a muscle, it gets stretched and it gets strengthened every single time we use it. You know, I think about the Amish, the Amish community when those children were killed a few years ago in the school. And the Amish immediately forgave the shooter. Well, that's some high-level spiritual stuff because there's parents all over this country who I have met who lost their children in a school shooting and they are not trying to forgive and I'm not judging them. I understand There is nothing more crushing than the loss of your child and then your child to a murder. So I, what I want to guide people to doing again is, is to, stretch that muscle and then see what love nudges them to. And it is shocking. And, I, and it never ceases to amaze me what our capacity becomes for forgiving.
0: It is tremendous, it is tremendous. So another question. How should someone who wishes to forgive but has been
1: unsuccessful thus far forgive? So I say every intention to forgive is successful. If you if you if you set that intention, I really want to forgive. I'm just throwing out an example because this is what shows up in one-on-ones in my practice a lot. I really want to forgive my ex-spouse for his or her infidelity when we were together. And the infidelity could be, you know, having a relationship with someone else or gambling away the money, whatever it is. It was it was a betrayal. And and what I say to them is setting the intention starts to move things into motion. And it's okay to give yourself some time for self-reflection and give yourself some time to really understanding yourself, understanding how you got caught in this situation. And then every single day, offer it. And if people cannot offer it yet. um back to Desmond Tutu, he talks about the prayer before the prayer. And I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically the prayer says, I'm thinking about forgiving you, but not today. That's my favorite prayer. (laughs) I'm asking God for guidance and I'm really, really want to do this, but it's not going to happen today. And that's really okay. But the other piece of it that people often forget when we're hurt is that, well, there's two things that we forget. One, we forget that there was something beautiful that came from many of the experiences of knowing that person that harmed us, knowing that country that harmed us, knowing that school that harmed us, all these things can harm us. So I guide people to to find the beauty in an experience. And then if we have any self-responsibility in the experience to own that too, and yeah, I'm sorry I cut you off, Carol. No, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. You're making another point. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> the self-responsibility is oh so challenging <laughs> to honor that that we play a role because I find that when we take responsibility for our role in in the betrayal, in the rejection, we we are empowered. So I guide a lot of the, the, again, I keep coming back to relationships. Um, I, I have, I did it myself and now I'm guiding my clients to do the same. I wrote letters to every single person that I was in any sort of relationship with, um, I've only been in relationship with men. So I'm, I'm specifically referring to romance, but I wrote, I wrote letters. And in the letters, I began with a thank you and I I put my own apology in there. I apologize for judging you for blah, 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 blah. I pray that you're doing well, blah, 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 blah. But I owned my part. And then I started to realize a pattern in owning my part. The pattern is I often forgot that I had power in every single one of those relationships. And when I finished writing those, oh, these don't get mailed, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just to, for clarification, you don't want to mess up anybody else's life while you clear up your old past. But in writing the letters, I honor, I, I recognize that I have power because the story that I was telling myself and the story that we often tell ourselves is that we're only victims. That is it. She kicked me in the teeth, he threw me to the curb, he cheated on me, whatever, whatever, whatever. And we forget that we are powerful. And so the letters to these people brought me back to recognizing that, and it elevated my capacity to love people that I'm no longer in a relationship with. And then of course, love only multiplies. So the more we're able to forgive, the more we're able to love, and the more love comes flowing into our lives through crazy corners that we never even considered.
0: Yeah, so well said, so well said. So uh, Rebecca has a comment here, and I, I'd like to actually share this, this model, this framework, because you know, oftentimes people are looking for, what are some ways that I can frame this? What are some steps that I can take and and I and I love and I know you're gonna clarify you know the steps that Desmond Tutu suggests. We're you know saving that for a little bit later. But there is a researcher in the word of psychology, Everett Worthington, who uses this acronym REACH and some of our viewers might find this something useful. So REACH, the R stands for recall the hurt. To heal, you have to face the fact that you've been hurt. Decide not to be snarky (laughs) back, you know, nasty and hurtful back. Not to treat yourself like a victim, which is a point you've just been underscoring, and not to treat the other person as a jerk. E, empathize with your offender. Empathy is putting yourself in the other person's chair. Pretend that the other person is in an empty chair across from you. Talk to him or her. Pour your heart out. When you have had your say, sit in his or her chair. Talk back to the imaginary you in a way that helps you see why the other person might have wronged you. This builds empathy. A, altruistic gift. Forgive as an unselfish, altruistic gift. After all, an offender does not deserve to receive forgiveness. To help you want to give the gift of forgiving, try to remember when you wronged someone and that person forgave you. By forgiving altruistically, you can give that same gift to someone who has hurt you. The C is commit. Once you have forgiven yourself, write a note to yourself, something as simple as, today I forgave blank for hurting me. This helps forgiveness last. And finally, H, hold on to forgiveness. The self-addressed notes of commitment, as we're sharing them, help us because we will almost surely be tempted to doubt that we really forgave. We can reread our notes we did forgive. We did forgive. Yes. And that aspect, how do you hold on to that forgiveness? And I think of that, that's some of my peeling the layers of an onion, as I know in situations, I've had to do that where I have, I've had to go back to forgive the same person over and over and over again to to extend this idea of holding on to forgiveness. You know, so again, for those of you that like acronyms, that like steps, those are five steps to remember in that reach definition. And so that DM has captured that. If you want to uh, go ahead and write that down for yourself. Right. And so, you know, Sister Sabrina, let me ask you this. Are there any particular other um, scientifically validated scales or tools that, you know, pop into your mind or 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 that you might even use in your in your own work
1: um, with forgiveness? Yeah. So actually, in my dissertation study, I used our forgiveness meditation that we teach at the center mm-hmm. for one of the modules. And I did research on a group of black women who had all been diagnosed with um, a chronic STI. And the forgiveness meditation was around the partner that presented them with that permanent gift and, um, and themselves and, and the world. And we, we did the meditation and there's, there's three parts. Like I said, the first part of the meditation, I'm not going to go into all the steps of it, but the first part is, is forgiving is using that. I think it was the empathize one, the E that Worthington talks about. We, we, um, sat we sit, we imagine that we're sitting across from this person that we need to forgive. And then we imagine that someone else. Um, is forgiving us. And then we imagine that the person across from us is us in the three layers of forgiveness. And then we bring the whole world into it. So I conducted that meditation and I, we did a, several, other, several other interventions as well, including drumming and writing and talking to our mothers when they were pregnant with us. It was the most amazing moment of sitting, sitting with our imagining ourselves in our mothers' wombs. What was it like? What did our mothers experience when they were when they were carrying us? And each of those exercises were then measured. And all of the women in my study said that the forgiveness meditation was the most impactful for them. So it's a qualitative study. But I think there's there's also um, some quantitative studies looking at cortisol levels when people choose to forgive and cortisol is is the the hormone that that is mostly that that we mostly measure stress response by so people um, people's cortisol levels were decrease, decreased when they practice daily forgiveness so we can't stress that it, it has to become a part of our day-to-day practice it's not a one and done um, heart rate, Heart rates, um, people with high blood pressure, mm-hmm. when when they practice regular forgiveness, their blood pressure decreases and goes to a healthy rate. And Carol, you would know the exact healthy number that someone needs. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Carol. You know, so so liver functioning increases when people when people practice daily forgiveness. Our capacity to digest food. Is impacted by our by by our capacity to forgive. Because when we forgive, we decrease our emotional inflammation, which then decreases our physiological inflammation. Fred Luskin has a lot of research around the, the physiological aspects of forgiveness. I think he his book was called Forgive for Good.
0: Absolutely. So the research Has clearly indicated that the act of forgiveness, if you can invite yourself to step into it, will trigger the mechanisms of forgiveness that have these physiological benefits Mm -hmm. where forgiveness is medicine. For the individual, and you know, and again, you know, what are what are the characteristics of a person who is able to forgive? And you know, so being able to look at all of that, and so you know, two of the other tools that have been used in this work, there's one called the transgression narrative test of forgiveness, and then the other one is called the transgression related interpersonal motivations, inventory, and they can be very powerful that they help people look at that, the interpersonal aspects of forgiveness, which is a lot of what we've been talking about this morning. What are those um, interpersonal aspects? And from your work, what are the characteristics, the personal values of a person who's able to be forgiving? What have you noticed?
1: What I've noticed is that the people that are most able to forgive are people who are most yearning for love and connection. So I don't know if there's any one personality because I've seen people come to my office with the psychiatric diagnoses that infers that they don't have the capacity. And then we sit down and we speak of love and yearning and desire to be loved. And it moves and I can literally feel it move from their chest. So I don't know if there's any one person, but I do do believe that people who have experienced some form of love by some caretaker in their lives are better equipped to bounce back from injury than people who have not. And it doesn't necessarily have to be your 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 mom or your dad. For many of us in our community, we've been raised by grandmothers and aunties. I myself have two mothers. <laughs> I have my mom and her sister. And throughout my life, if my mother has has done something that I didn't agree with, or couldn't, couldn't swallow. I had an auntie to go to. So people that have multiple people that they can go to for support are also more able to forgive. So sometimes one thing that I do with people, I sit with them and I, we draw what I call the support pie. We slice it up. Who's in this pie? Who is in this pie? And very often they'll say, oh, there's nobody in the pie, but they will dig a little deeper when you find out there's a lot of people in the pie, but maybe some people just get a little slice and some people get a bigger slice. Find out who's in this pie as you walk this path of forgiveness. Where else can you process this in a safe place? Who's your cursing buddy? For real. Like sometimes you just have to swear. <laughs> sometimes you have to let it out hard. Right. Where do you go where you can just bleh, all these expletives? without any repercussion. So I help people find a cursing buddy where you can just scream, yell, stomp and not have to punch that person out who harmed you.
0: Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much for, for sharing those thoughts. One, I'd like to switch now in the time that we have left uh, to, well, to uh, I want to get to, you know, forgiving in the context of the community I think is the big thing, but I also would like to give you a little time uh, to talk about your book. I'd actually like to give you a lot of time. You're going to have to come back sister Sabrina and, um, Also, how and where can people get in touch with you? And I'm gonna ask our incredible look, our the production team is on it. There they go, there they go. So, as always, our guests give the generous gift of saying, reach out to me. You know, you can you know talk to me, you can reach me, you can interact with me. And I I think that's incredible because I'm determined my intention is that the fabulous people on this show. Are not, no longer best kept secrets, and that we have such gifts and offerings to the world, and that we can ourselves have abundant lives. We can live our lives in abundance, mind, body, spirit, and financially. So, yeah, well, there we go. There's all the ways to be in touch with Sister Sabrina. So, talk a little bit about your book, please. Mm-hmm.
1: So I think the the question of my book ties into your your next question about community as well. So they're both related. So my book is called The Laugh of Love, and it is based on a series of of journal conversations that I had with my maternal grandmother after she passed away. And the story about my maternal grandmother is she suffered a debilitating stroke when she was 34. The uh, two police officers came to her house looking for her drug-addicted brothers put a gun to her head and um, she already had high blood pressure and that resulted in a stroke. And she was supposed to die. She was in a coma for 50 days, woke up on Good Friday. How about that? Coming up. (laughs) She woke up on Good Friday and lived another 50 years. Um, The police officers were really playing a game. They knew her, they knew she was innocent. And when they found out that she had a stroke, They showed up with an apology and my grandmother nodded to her sister to accept it. So in my being, I already had a predisposition to understanding how powerful forgiveness can be. So my grandmother um, lived her entire life as in my, in my um, opinion, an angelic being, she could never walk, she could never talk again, and she had this incredible heart and people were drawn to her. So the book is about all the lessons that I learned from her existence about how to forgive, how to trust, how to surrender to what is, how to live my divine purpose without being attached to anything on this planet, how to say no, with conviction as a complete sentence. Cause that was the only word she was left with the, the clear capacity to speak was no. And, and how to show love without arms, without uttering. So that's what the book is about. How can we speak and end for everyone that reads it to know that they also have a big mama in their ancestry, that someone loves them. So it's about her, it's about what I learned from her that impacted my life as a therapist, as a woman, as a healer, as a mom, as a friend. And then it's an invitation to the reader to look at how those teachings can apply to their lives. So it's fun. It's there's There's some, there's some laughter in there because she had an infectious laugh. And it's also... It's also, again, that, that, that opportunity for self-reflection, self-responsibility, and returning to what is really important.
0: Wow. Awesome. <sighs> Thank you for sharing that. And I can't help but think about my own Definitely. grandmother, Marion, Marion. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, again, the, you know, the hours coming to a close. Yeah. Um, I'm doing this in, incredible monthly membership uh, community that really is a, about this idea, not only of the, the aspect that's about the idea of forgiving the self, but also we live our lives in the context of community and how does the community move forward. So just quickly, what I want to do is, is share a land acknowledgement. We've been doing this mm-hmm. with the center. We've been doing this indi- individually. And so let me just share it and let these words resonate with our audience. Every community owes its existence and vitality to generations from around the world who contributed their hopes, dreams, and energy to making the history that led to this moment. Some were brought here against their will. Some were drawn to leave their distant homes in hopes of a better life. And some have lived on this land for more generations than can be counted. Truth and acknowledgement are critical to building mutual respect and connection across all barriers of heritage and difference. We remember those who lost their names to the crime of enslavement. Some were given names, but others were just listed in their wills by their value. And we cannot know the names and those that love them would use. We honor them and we hold them in the light. We begin this effort to acknowledge what has been buried by honoring the truth. Please take a moment to consider the many legacies of violence, displacement, migration, and settlement that bring us here today and here we are. I'm here in the land of the Lenai Lenape. You're also on the land of the Lenai Lenape in this East Coast region. We all have our histories and our family legacies and we can honor the truth as a first
1: step mm-hmm. in our
0: path to forgiveness. Mm.
1: Yeah that's beautiful, oh thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So Sister Sabrina, Dr. Sabrina and Jai, I want to go ahead and I want to thank you. Y'all know how to find me. If you have any questions, you want to join the community, you want to be a part of the monthly membership group, go ahead and email me right now. Take the action. Get <laughs> <in> momentum <my laughs> right now. Info at com. You want to find out when Sister Sabrina's next workshop is. Dr. Sabrina, who Combines the science, the wisdom, the teaching, and helps you bring forward and step into your authenticity around this important practice of forgiveness. You're going to go ahead and email Sabrina at the Heart Nest, okay? Going to visit her website, going to follow her on YouTube. Listen, it is time for us to get ready for next week's show. I hope that this wonderful community that is gathered here today will be right back. Back here next Sunday as we continue to take the deeper dives, as we continue to step in, and as we all continue to grow as the powerful, amazing gift to the world that we are. I'm gonna sign off and see you backstage in the green room. Thank you, thank you, thank you,
1: thank you. Bye. I don't people say you're full, you're full of greatness. greatness. Time, you, time opened you opened up your, up your eyes, eyes, you were,
0: you were, were courageous. courageous. If only if they, they could see, see, see you going, going through I your places place. It's amazing. So Wait, listen.